round about us in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I swear, I know that God is in the midst right now. There's a fire in the people of God here today. But I know there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And I praise God because I know that for that reason, there's a purpose. There's a purpose for everyone here today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory and praise and honor. It's good to be in the house of God today, is it not? Amen. If you have something, if God has done something for you, there's a reason to worship. There's a reason to worship. Praise the Lord. I know that he's delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. I know that I was once a sinner, but I'm no longer that because he has delivered me out of that darkness and brought me into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if you just take, I'll take a few minutes here just kind of say a few things. My tablet got a little dark. So whether you're here and again watching online, I want to encourage those who are watching as well. I hope that today what, what the message that I bring across will help you grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the purpose that we're here. This is the reason that we're to preach the good news to the lost and dying world. There's too much chaos happening right now in this world. So I pray a blessing if you've tuned in, that God bless your home in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you see it after, that God will also give you a blessing no matter what. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. With the, hope, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I plan on talking today about why we should worship and praise God. Why? Because he is God to begin with. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And the Bible says that everything declares his glory. Praise the Lord. I hope again as I, as I start to speak here that I start to focus in and I give you the understanding that you receive this, that I want to implant, or I should say implant, but make you, let this thought remain in you. I will praise and bless the name of the Lord no matter what place on the mountain I find myself in. You might be at the top. But I tell you, you still need to praise God. You might be at the bottom, but you still need to praise God. And if you're in the middle, guess what? You're not at the top yet, but you're also not at the bottom. We should be gracious no matter where we're at. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. And without further ado, if we would turn our Bibles to Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5. And the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. How many of us are glad to be the sheep of his pasture? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and the truth endureth to all generations. If you would pray with me today, if you would also pray not only for the word, we're going to pray first for the word, but also for the saints that are going through troubles, and not here, but around the world, because there's oppression happening everywhere right, to, right now. I've been through some situations that I, I can't even begin to imagine why people, you know, outside, and I'm talking about the world, they don't even know me, but I know that if, if the world is coming against us, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. There's a God who is rising up, and he's bringing forth the praises of his people, and I'll share with you what, what happened there and how I responded to that. 
And we pray, Lord Jesus, we bow our heads. We thank you for the word, Lord God. We ask, oh God, as, as the word comes forth, Lord God, Lord, I was, this would be a transform, transforming word, Lord God, not only for the listener, but also for the speaker, Lord God, myself. We pray for the saints, oh God, that are out and about, Lord God, those who are doing the work, those who, Lord, have sacrificed, Lord God, their lives, have given up everything, Lord Jesus, to walk, Lord God, in your steps, Lord Jesus. We also pray, Lord, for those around the world, those who are being oppressed, those who have found, they have not found you, Lord Jesus, that they would find, Lord God, and they would find that truth, and they would adhere to it, Lord, and that they would come to the knowledge of who you are, because we know, Lord God, that you're coming as soon. In the name of, the Je in the name of Jesus, we pray. Praise the Lord. You may be seated, everybody. Praise God. Praise the Lord. How many of us have problems? I think we all have problems this here today, right? I don't think there's ever, there won't every, any, be anyone who doesn't have problems. But the fact of the matter is that in life, we're, we, ha, we all have problems. We, they're, they're either through relationships, they're either going to be through work. And sometimes some of them are problems that we create in our mind, not intentionally, but the things that we see and, or the things that we see done at times. And then when it creates something, it creates something within us and, and doubt starts to set in. And we start to wonder, what, what, where did these doubts come from? Low self-esteem can come from that. The distortion of seeing how things are actually functioning. We can be uh, deviated for just a bit. Sometimes it comes, you know, again, through our own minds and thoughts. Other times it comes through the words and the actions of others. So what we see and hear creates ideas and thoughts. So it's important to always revert back to the word. The truth is that God's word is the only thing that can realign us to what his agenda is to take us out of our own agenda. The Bible makes mention of the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 19 through 24. I was hearing the preaching by a, by a lady who was, uh, she was actually, she was giving her testimony. And it was, it was powerful in the sense on how she, I, I could have sworn she was a preacher, but she wasn't. She was just giving her testimony. But what she said was this. She said, I have been through hard times. I have been through trials. But one thing I know, that when I seek unto the Lord, he is righteous and he will always deliver me. So when someone asks me, how am I doing? And she says, I'm doing well. Praise the Lord. High, low, or in the middle. We give God praise no matter there might be times when we find ourselves not able to lift our hands, but fear not that the person who might not be lifting their hands, they might be praying and worshiping in spirit in their hearts. They might be crying out to God at the moment. But Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended is hard to be one that's a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Whatever the offense might have been, it's harder to win a person of that manner in that sense. And the reason I'm talking about this is, again, because it is the power of the tongue. And I'm going to refer to that in just a little bit. We understand it, that it, so at times it may feel easy, but not for the other individual or the other party. We establish relationships. And, oh, yes, be very patient with these individuals because some of them are babes in the Lord. And some of them are still walking, still understanding. Verse 20 says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. What comes out of our mouth will be what returns to us. We will reap what we sow. D 
death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they have love. It says, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Degrading language. You can use profanity. You can use things of terminology that can easily turn the thoughts in the mind of someone else. Let's not be surprised when it comes back at us, okay? Let's just say, okay, I deserve that. I deserve that, but I'm sorry. Verse 22, whose findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Men, don't think for a second that you decided to marry your wife. She decided to marry you. And in doing so, she has decided to allow you to lead her when she, when she said, I do, in the eyes of God. Even so, our attitudes, men, we, are, we did use, we use our attitude and our attitudes persuaded them. And they gave, we gave a little in and they made this decision of saying yes. So we have to give ourselves a little credit. The poor useth entreaties, but the rich answereth roughly. The poor pleads for mercy, but the rich is fierce and quick and strikes and no mercy at all. The man that has friends must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I want to point out that last verse, that there is a friend that sticks closer than the brother. We know that to be Jesus Christ. Amen. All these verses teach us a vital role of the relationship or a relationship. How they will work in our favor will all be up to the one who is speaking. What am I saying? To offend someone usually is translated through language, whether it be through the body language or vocal. What we say will be either destroy or give life to whatever the relationship may be. When speaking to a different people, at times we'll differ as to what we talk about. Couples will talk about going to lunch together, while men will talk about going fishing, while ladies will talk about whatever it is they like. Because <laughs> I don't know. I leave that open for discussion. But our relationship will be dependent upon our response. So do not give the enemy the satisfaction. Don't give him the satisfaction. Of cursing and blessing. Oh, I'm sorry, curse, cursing and then bringing the blessing. It's, it's always reverting back to blessing. The tongue is a powerful member. We must be able to rule it. Whether you're young or mature in age, and I use the word mature in age, okay? Respectful here. New or long standing in the faith, God is no respecter of persons. Praise God because this is a prerequisite for heaven. This is something we must do. How we react will reflect the outcome of what we produce. It is the nature of man to learn the ways how they hang around, who they hang around with, and who they listen to. Will it be encouraging in the ways of the Lord, or will it hurt their walk? I've, I have enjoyed the company of those who have fellowship with me. Some have shared their life-changing events. It is a blessing to hear some of the elders speak how their faith was tested and true, and how they held strong. At times I go home and I start to remember, and, and I'm moved by it because I have never been through something like that. I don't know how I respond. But I'm thankful for those who have shared because it has prepared me for that moment. If he was able to do it, I'm going to do it as well. With that said, I want you to just take a moment, and, and I want you to place yourself in a scenario and consider this question. Would I be able to praise the Lord if I found myself in this situation? It begins with you are a young man or woman. We won't say which one, but you're one or the other. Your country's at war and you volunteer to fight. You're not drafted. You sign up freely because it's out of your free will. 
and you believe and you fight for the cause. In your very first battle, you're uh, in a linchpin, the de deciding factor that tips the scales of the country's favor. You are a hero to the nation. Upon returning from the battlefield, you're thrown into a, they're giving, they give you this small party that really is kind of not really a party at all, or, or parade, I should say. You end up being promoted to general as a reward for your bravery. You marry the woman of your dreams. You buy a house together. Perhaps you have kids. And you continue to lead your army and your house. Victory after victory. You become a household name across the country. But then the leader of the country gets jealous of your success and the love, your beloved reputation. And it tries to, he tries to kill you. You barely escape his assassins by sneaking out of the window. And your wife has to stay behind to cover for you. Now you're in the wind, on the run, hiding out while the manhunt scores the city and country looking for you. You're doing things you never conceived of having to do. You lie to your pastor to get you to help you. And you end up getting him in trouble. I had to change that a little bit, pastor. I wasn't going to let you die. Praise God. You got to love your pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. But then, you're doing your things, as I said, conceiving. You're having to do all that you have to do. You're scared uh, of your life. You, you end up sending your family to the outside skirts of other nations just to keep them safe while you are stuck in a cave with all those that are misfits, a bunch of rogues, scoundrels. They, they, kept, they keep turning up into, the cave, into a cave that you're hiding because there's nowhere else to hide. You're being chased. And all these, just by virtue of showing up, expect you to feed them and clothe them and lead them. As their numbers grow, this not only becomes a noticeable problem, but it also makes it a whole harder to hide out before you could hide out by yourself. Now you've got a group of 600 people that will not leave you alone because they want you to lead them. By the 600, no doer wells have invaded your quiet sanctuary. People are starting to notice, and they report you, and now the manhunt is on again. You will spend years on the run, sleeping rough on the dirt and rock, eating whatever you can find, and starving when you cannot. You will live in construct fear of your life as a hunted man. No peace for that moment. Now, as you consider your condition, you have much of your time and energy could you, you spend and how, how much thankfulness could you generate to ride, write uh, praise songs, play your instrument, and sing to the Lord. You might be surprised that when you're cornered and you're out in the wilderness, what actually comes out from you. I think I have spent a little bit of time in this situation where and I think we all have, if we have been broken at one point in our lives and we're so, we're, we don't know what to do, we're so overwhelmed that you start to get crunched and squeezed and there's really nothing left but yearning and crying. And all you can do is worship God. Somehow in the midst of running his, uh, for his life, David wrote some of the most beautiful songs in human history. Imagine the nights David spent in the cave of Adulam. Surrounded by his cutthroat band of scoundrels, scoundrels who are grumbling over the rough conditions, their stomachs rumbling 
because of the hunger. God, Dave, David then pulls the leather cover off his shepherd's harp and begins to run his fingers over the strings. Given you're in this place and you're not going anywhere, not for a while at least, heads lift up, they begin to sing. He begins to sing. These, these hardened heart men start to, to get goosebumps. Tears prick the corners of their eyes, and as they feel something they probably had never felt before, the presence of Jehovah God. For a little while, as their masculine voices meld in, in, in song, uh, the rough cave became as holy as the sanctuary itself. The presence of God will enter where there is praise for him. Where there is worship. Some, uh, in Psalm 100, and 100 verse 4, God desires for us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and to be thankful unto him and to bless his name. Those are the words of David said he under, we understand that it's also God's, God's desire. He spoke them so that we could hear them and understand them. And we know this because David is the one that the Bible mentions in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, and Acts 13, 22. Paul refers to it as a man after God's own heart. That's what God desires. People after his own heart. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, verse 14. And then in Acts, verse 22. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I, this is God declared, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. How, how many of us want to be in that situation and say, God, I want to please your heart. I want to do the desires of your heart, Lord. Not the desires of my heart. My, the desires of my heart, Lord God, can be wicked. But if I look unto your word, Lord, you can lead me, Lord, unto all your righteousness. God spoke to David. He gave him the right to speak to what he desired. We're here to encourage those who have not yet experienced the hope which we have greatly experienced. God's promise in us. I want people to know that God has what God has for them to do what it is we're supposed to do, to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given a word by God to hear and obey. God's word stands over man's word, which means our decisions are, are stand, no longer stand and they're overruled by our own desires. David could easily have fallen into the trap, and many, many of us uh, do would and face... These reversals and trials and troubles in our lives, David would have blamed God, but I don't believe that we should, we, I don't believe that we stand in a place where we could say, God, it's your fault. We don't, we don't have that right. Very much like Job. Job was angry at what was happening to him. He questioned God, and then God faced him, and then Job couldn't answer him. I believe that we still also cannot answer him. He could have asked God, David could have asked him to, to allow him, you know, I'm the hero of Israel. He's the slayer of Goliath to be hunted. How could this happen to me? But while we do at times see David being heartbreakingly honest with God about his desperate situation, far more often we see him worshiping and praising God. His brokenness brings him closer to God. 
David decided, as we must as well, him making that decision that no matter what the circumstances in his life might be, God was still worthy to be worshipped. We stand in a place where we have the ability and the opportunity to worship. Other countries don't have that opportunity anymore. I think we know this very well. God is to be feared. Worship is something that is in connection to holy reverence and the fear of God. Psalm 96, 9 reads, Oh, worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. In the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Psalm 94, 96, 4 and 5 verses uh, gives us an understanding of who God is. It reads, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. In that we know that there are no other gods other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else is a, uh, how would I say, uh, a cop-out. They can't do anything for you. They may deceive you and make you think that they can, but they can't. David saw the fear of the Lord as a good thing. Since God is so powerful, he is mighty an ally. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 33, 18. Our own fear protects us. Our own fear of the Lord. And of course, we also have the scripture to, for us to seek our salvation with fear and trembling. The trembling is because we want to make sure that we're right with the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 7 assures that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Even in the cave, David could worship because he was certain that the Lord God had deliverance waiting for him. So if we trust in God, that we're going, we're going to know that there is deliverance coming no matter what. We just have to trust and believe that it's coming. What we speak during our trials will help encourage our outcome as well. David was one of those that wrote most of the psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another one, he is my refuge and strong tower. And this is one that I kind of put together that God kind of brought to me. Our trust in God will deliver us and it will show forth our praises for him. Creation worships the Lord. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because um, as I, I was looking into this, it, it really kind of expanded my view on what happens around the world. Uh, never, never pictured it the way I did uh, when I was, again, reading uh, the scriptures and, and reading this, this piece here, how the glory of God is all around us. And he began to show me things and, uh, because I see the fowls of the air and we see the trees and, and the trees worship God. They, they all grow upwards. They all grow upwards. They don't come down. There are things that grow down, but uh, everything that worships God goes up. And then he gave me this vision of this bird. A bird must expand its wings in order to catch the glory of God. If it doesn't open its wings, it can't catch what God has made. It also must flap. It must work to be able to catch what God has made. 
if it closes its wings, it will drop straight to the ground. And if it's too high, it will die. We in the same way must open our arms up every now and then to worship the Lord God. We've got to capture His glory. If you don't raise your hands, you're not going to capture anything. God wants you to raise your hands. He is worthy of worship and He is worthy of praise. Praise the Lord. The intricacies of plants and animals and the landscape all around us points to God's measurable wisdom and creative genius. The branches grow upwards. The birds fly and they capture the wind of the wings. They give rise. It must capture the glory of God. It closes wings as I mentioned early. These all function involuntarily to, to worship God. In other words, they don't even have a, thing, a, a thought in the world to do that. They just do it naturally. But for us, it's a little bit different. We are giving the option to worship and praise the Lord. There's only one creature on earth who can refuse to worship God, and that is you and me. When it came to humanity, God decided to give us choice. Do I worship God or not? Voluntary worship for a willing heart overwhelmed by the majesty of the glory of God means more to God than all the rest of creation put together. If everything burnt down and the only thing that remained was human life and their hands were up, God would be satisfied. That's why he created us. When we put it away, or we put it that way, how could we ever refuse to give God praise when he has created us ourselves and everything else that surrounds us? He gives us light to shine down on us so we can see and not have to stumble over things and, uh, and not walk in darkness. Instead, we, can, we have the, the luxury that God has given us to walk in light. The, sings, the birds sing beautifully. They, they give us this, you know, uh, this beautiful atmosphere for us to listen to. Some of us enjoy that. The flowers, everything that surrounds us. Let us do the same. If you can sing with everything in you, if you cannot sing, at least make a joyful noise. If you can play an instrument, play with all the skill you possess and all the glory of God. The glory of God is what we put out when we do things for God. If you, ha if you have strength in your legs, dance and jump before the Lord. If you have hands, clap with them. Praise unto the Lord. Raise those hands to the Lord. Worship the Lord. He is worthy. He is worthy. And But again, worship goes much deeper than that. It's not only about singing. It's not only about sh uh, shouting. It's not about singing and clapping. Uh, David said, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 96.9. It could be argued that holiness brings even more glory to God than our praise and worship at church on Sunday. It is possible to sing and shout on Sunday, but then go out and live in such a way that it undermines our supposed high regard for God. No respect. If we truly have fear, reverence, and respect for God, it will only come out in our praise. But it will also manifest itself in the way that we live day to day. If it doesn't manifest, then nobody can see it. If nobody can see it, nobody will desire it. I think some of us can testify that people have come up to us and asked us, Hey, are you, are you, are you of the faith? I know that I have. I found people uh, where I work at. Young lady wearing a long skirt, long hair. Young man wearing long pants and covered up. 
I said, hey, are you of the faith? He said, yeah. I said, praise God. I said, where from? He goes, well, we're just visiting. I said, that's okay. I said, I like the way you're dressed. Praise the Lord. Those who truly live in all of God will regularly ask themselves this question. Is this pleasing to God and honoring him? So it's not only what we say, it's also what we do and what we put on. Holiness is based on the guidelines laid out in the word of God. But these guidelines are not an end until themselves. They are written. They are a written reflection of God's intentions and the will for our lives. When God first made humanity, he said it was very good. Very good. Every other part of creation was simply good. And then it says, sadly, but by the time of the flood, everything else in creation was still good, but humans had completely abandoned God's purpose for them. What had they been, had, had they been a little bit better, it would have been a little bit different, but it didn't. It's, it said it was very evil. Genesis 6, 7 says, paraphrasing, it tells us that God was sorry he had made us. All the evil that now exists in the world is the result of humanity departing from God's original instructions because man desired the things of the flesh. But the good news is we can get back on track through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is forgiving. We avoid what causes us, if we avoid what causes us sin, we go through, we'll go through there. A repeated sin is not repented or until we have, uh, it's, not, it's not repented until we have left it completely. Repent means to go uh, the other way and not look back. You keep your hands on the plow, so to speak. We are to walk according to the spirit and not the flesh. We can be holy as he is holy. The Lord Jesus Christ can change our lives. And when we listen and we obey his word, we are led, and we're led by his spirit, then holiness is a result of what comes after that. I heard Stone King, or maybe it was Brother... Um, I can't remember what his uh, protege is. Anyhow, he, he said that you're talking about, you know, about the hair. He's talking about the hair. And he, and, and he said, once that decision is made, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he was talking about the cutting because we, we believe in the glory. The woman's hair is her glory, and it's, it's the glory to the man, but also glorifies God. And the angels come to the woman because of the uncut hair. But he said this, it doesn't matter how short the woman's hair is, but the moment she makes the decision not to cut it, the angels come. It doesn't matter. The moment that heart is changed, there are going to be angels with her. Praise God. It's good to hear, you know, others at times, and because... Sometimes we, we, there are some scriptures that kind of throw us off a little bit. But praise the Lord, you know, we can always get back on track. Because even, even I have fallen off track. I have had to read uh, scripture after scripture to come back to where it is that I'm not doing things that are judgmental, but things that are going to be a blessing. And this is, and again, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm not only, you know, talking about this, I'm preaching to myself. Instead, holiness is listening to our creator's instruction and living the way uh, he always intended us to live. Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments, was one of his, is something that he said. In Psalms 96.4, the psalmist wrote, 
The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Much has been said and written about the difference between worship and praise. I won't talk too much about it. David made this connection between praise and other people when he wrote, declares, he declared his glory among the heathen in his wonders among the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Psalm 96, 3-4. Whether we are aiming our praise to God directly or praising him to others around us, we certainly have a lot to praise God for. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth forever in all generations. I'm sorry, endureth to all generations. Psalm 105. Think for a moment about how important it is for the Lord that the Lord is good. God is powerful. Imagine he, uh, him being evil. Imagine that. If he was evil, what if God were cruel and conspicuous like the false gods of many nations' history? Would? Who would survive? But the good thing, and again, God is good. He is faithful. But instead of looking to the things that distract us and looking to the things that pull us away, let's set our eyes on Jesus to bring us back to that good and glorious place where he wants us to bring uh, our hearts to, bring it to the altar, set it upon his feet. Let God's mercy be upon you. His mercy never expires. It's everlasting. It's new every morning. Time and time again, David would sin and fail and fall. He always turned back to God. He always got up again and always repented. And he always found that God's mercy was everlasting. We too often stumble and fall. There is a nonstop war between our flesh and our spirit, between the carnal and the spiritual. Even so, we must eliminate as much as possible as we can. Remove it. I must increase so that he may increase. To repent of the same sin every day is not true repentance I mentioned earlier when it is done willfully. More importantly, willfully. We must willfully give up that sin so that it does not continually overtake us. And while we like to pretend we are, we are perfect when we come to church on Sunday, the truth is that we are not. We are not perfect. But we are redeemed. We are loved. We are forgiven and made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Rather than acting uh, super spiritual, what, what if we were to praise God to our friends, co-workers, and unsaved loved ones by saying, here's what I was, a sinner down and out, and here's what Jesus has made me into. Here's how I used to feel, here's how I feel now, and maybe that will strike a chord with someone who is tired of living out of tune from his creator or their creator. Sometimes the words of others can create a false thought and idea. An attempt to inject a lie into our minds to believe it to be true. But we are required according to the word to encourage one another to hold fast to the faith for the believers. And for those who are not, we encourage them that there is a place for them in God's kingdom. Praise God. Let's give a little story of my son now. He goes out and he goes to work and I, I go out and I go to work. And we both have testimonies and we come home and my wife does her thing and she's watching uh, videos of you know, apostolic preaching and this is what I learned. And, you know, this one really moved me because uh, I just recently experienced something like this. But I'm not going to share mine. I'm going to share his. He mentioned of a, of a group of guys that he was talking to. And at first it was one, then it was three, then it was four. And the last one that got there pretty much said, he goes, he was sharing the things of God, and he says, well, I got a seat 
in hell. You know, I, I, more than likely he was probably just trying to offset the mood. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe he felt undeserving. Maybe he felt that way. But what my son said next made this young man light up and jump. Hope was introduced. What he said to him was this. There's also a seat in heaven for you with your name on it. Somebody who said, I've got a seat in hell. He said, you got a, there's, a, there's a seat in heaven for you right now. As he's telling us this, I, I know the look that comes over when somebody starts to feel a certain way. He said he kind of looked at him a certain way. And when he mentioned it, and I call that the awakening, there's a shake of his spirit, a shake of his soul. And something came alive in him. And we don't know what's, what, what happened to him when he went home, but we do know this. That if we shake the foundation of someone who doesn't believe, who has doubt, who has self-esteem, if we uplift them, they're going to come to uh, the realization and understand that I need what that person has. He gave this person hope. He probably never thought he had. Uh, he was moved by the comment, something unexpected, unthought of, or even unimagined for all we know. Let us ask the Lord to teach us to stir the hearts of the lost. Praise the Lord. I know I felt this way once, but um, anyhow, um, God wants to move in our hearts. We serve the same God today that David served. Noah served also thousands of years ago before that. Governments and empires have risen and tried to eradicate this book of our God, the Bible. But they're not going to do that. Philosophers have tried to suggest alternatives to this book pure morality, there's nothing better than the Bible, God's Word. Only the Bible can heal broken marriages. There is no substitute for it. No drug addict can be, is delivered by the program. It may help for a while, but there is no deliverance unless God is introduced. In this postmodern era, everything is being questioned. The age-old question of Pontius Pilate posed to Jesus at his trial still echoes in our society today. What is truth? The very foundations of society are being eroded. Reality itself, reality itself is being questioned in humanity's rush to ensure that everyone is not judgmental and tolerant. Many people have lost touch with rationality and reason itself. This is where I'm going to talk to you guys about. It was, it'll be real quick. We usually go out on Thursday to eat at Culver's. And uh, we fellowship. There's a few of us that go here, Brother Bowley, the Barkers, my family. Brother Daniel was there as well. And uh, I parked by this group of, uh, you know, this car, actually. The doors were open. I parked by there. Uh, we got off. We couldn't get off, actually. I went over there, and they opened the door for us. Uh, and the young lady said, didn't you see the door was open? In other words, why would you park here? That's really what she said. Now, I heard her, but I asked her, I said, excuse me? I was getting smart. I was getting smart. I'll be honest here. And then I go inside. I talk to my wife. And I, talk, I talk to Brother Daniel. He says, go move your car. I went over there and I moved my car. I wasn't only supposed to move my car. God unctioned me as I parked my vehicle, as I moved it. You grab a flyer and you give them that flyer and you tell them that you love them. And I went over there and I said, hey, how you doing? The young lady wouldn't even turn to look at me because she was upset and angry and so forth. But I gave the flyer to the driver and I said, hey, I just want to invite you guys to church. I just want to let you know that 
God loves you. There's so much chaos in the world happening right now. I, don't, I, I really don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, you know, we don't need strife here anymore. We don't need it. And I just want to tell you that God loves you. And God wants you in heaven just as bad as he wants me. He wants you just as bad. And that there's an opportunity for you to get there. And I just want to let you know that. And I continued to talk to them. And the young lady would not turn her head. And I said, as I finished saying what I was saying, I said, but God bless you. God bless you all. Just as I did, the young lady turned and looked at me. A very light smile, but she turned and looked at me. And I took that as, hey, please forgive me. And I did. But I had forgiven her way before that. Because God had convicted me. Our youth, and I'm going to say the young is what I'm going to say, are losing the respect. I think it's time for us, us as older people Show as much love as we can. We cannot lose it. If we lose it, they're going to lose it. If they lose it, we're going to lose them. We're going to lose the next generation. So I've been trying to share. I did it last night again. I said, oh, young people, actually in the afternoon, they were sitting on the chair behind us. They were kind of hopping and making, making us hop. Me and my daughter. And my daughter. I look at my daughter. She's laughing. And she says, I said, it's okay. I went back to my car after we went in. I gave to people, hey, I want to invite you guys to church. I'd like you guys to come. God wants you in our church today, or tomorrow, actually, tomorrow's service. Come at 11. That's when, you know, I want you to come to 11 o'clock. Praise God. We as Christians do have a watch, a foundation of our lives. We, we sweep, uh, we, we swept away by a wishy-washy overview that changes from day to day. Let us not do that. Let us hold on to the things of God. Let us embrace what God has given us. And in closing, in the ancient world, usually if a king established and promoted uh, the worship of a particular national deity, he did, the, did so in an effort to establish his own position more firmly. King Nebuchadnezzar, for instance, raptured, I'm sorry, uh, recaptured the idol of the Babylonian god Marduk for the Amalites and then used that as a propaganda to show what his king, or what a king, great king he was. King Darius of Persia rose, uh, right, the right to rule, was tenuous at best, built a monument proclaiming multiple times that he was chosen by the king, by the god Ahuzra Mazda himself. In Egypt, the pharaoh, pharaohs likewise claimed to be divinely chosen and even divined themselves in short. Ancient monarchs used their gods to make themselves look better and become more powerful. But David had a different approach. The day came when he left the cave and took up the crown. And when that day came, David went out to recover the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, and to bring it to Jerusalem. We all know the story. You might expect him to walk through the gates, some to the royal robes, the great pomp, and the circumstance. He could have made that moment all about his own glory. But instead, David laid aside his royal garments, put on a simple linen ephod and danced before the Lord with all his might. The singers were singing and the priests were offering sacrifice. The instruments were blaring and David was dancing in the street dressed like a common slave. He didn't care who was watching. He didn't care what people would think. As far as David was concerned, God was worthy of worship and praise. God had delivered David out of the hand of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. God had anointed David to be king, and now David danced and worshiped in God's presence with total abandon. 
what a lesson for us. What would your worship look like today if you forgot about everything and everyone else around you and simply focused on God, who He is and what He has done for you? This day, why throw off your inhibitions and simply worship and praise for God? He is good and He is God. He is a creator and He is the Savior. He is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Psalms 105. Let us praise and worship to Him. If you would rise to your feet in closing and sing this song, oh, about the blood of Jesus, how good it is to be washed by the blood. What can, can wash away my sin? worship and praise, the power of the tongue, praise and worship, and you shall see the glory of God, who was and is, who is to come. He is Jesus Christ, the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could be washed as white as snow. But the washing away is of our sins in baptism. In Jesus' name, the Bible says that we must repent and be baptized into his name for the remission of the sins. God wants to give everyone a clean slate. Won't you come today if you hear this message? The Lord Jesus Christ is calling for you. Come and be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ by obeying the voice of the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. All ye saints, he is worthy of all praise. Lord, we worship you today. We give you thanks. We give you honor, Lord, and you're worthy of all the glory. Hallelujah. For those who are watching, we're having a prayer coming up in just a few minutes. I think I overstepped my speaking here, but praise God. Join us back at 11 o'clock and uh, feel the power of God come down and bless you just as we felt it here today. God is still working in everybody's life. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Pray God is going to bless you with a message in Jesus' name.